Hello there and welcome to another episode of Irishman Abroad with me, Jarlath Regan. Today, my conversation with the brilliant Irish actor Damien Maloney, who I'm sure you'll know from things like Being Human, Ripper Street, Suspects, No Man's Land, The Current War, Brassic and Game Face. He's really done it all and in a very short period of time and what a decent man he is. I know you're going to enjoy this conversation and to hear the full thing, ad-free and uncomfortable cut head over to patreon.com forward slash Irishman abroad where you can hear our premium feed that's the place now where you can hear every single episode we've ever recorded as well as our bonus series Irishman in America with Marion McKeown strange days in America and hopefully a big change on the way our proud charity partner is jigsaw.ie if you or anyone you know is having difficulty with their mental health through this pandemic Jigsaw.ie is a site that you need to check out. Their focus is on youth mental health and equipping young people across Ireland with the mental health skills they'll need to survive in life, let alone a pandemic. Maybe they can help you or maybe through a small donation, you can help them. This has been a huge, huge couple of weeks for Irishman Abroad as we make that move to Patreon and to say thank you to everyone who joined up in the first two weeks of August. I gave away Notions 11, my brand new stand-up special to all comers, anyone that signed up in that week. Now you can still get that over on Patreon, you can see the details and what tier you need to sign up to, but there's so much more for you to consume over there. I hope you'll join up and at least come over and hear the rest of this conversation with the brilliant Damien Maloney. I have some news on an upcoming series of Irishman Abroad, a new spin-off series that is starting very soon, so stick around at the end of the show for that that's the small talk now let's go down to business now your program what's the big idea well they've grown to know the irish much better we've now got to know how largely their mind works i moved over here and immediately i had to up my game i could not have done the job i, I did for quite a number of years in ireland i had to go and earn my living in england i think a lot of it's in my hair i think there's a lot of ireland in here i had an irish upbringing 20 years after an irishman couldn't get a fucking job we had the presidency it was some heightened awareness of how hard my tribe had had it in london no blacks no irish no dogs never has a nation so small inspired so much in another so you could say there's always been a little green behind the red white and blue our family is very irish you know now ladies and gentlemen we have a very special announcement to make at this stage would you welcome please the wonderful charlie three Damien Maloney, it's brilliant to have you on Irishman Abroad. I mean, it's a, a weird time in that you can't really enjoy the success of the things that you've made in much in the same way as we had Aaron on. Brassics just become so part of life here at the moment and so much a kind of viral hit in many ways that it's had such a big life after its broadcast that it must be a little bit sad, even though there's bigger things happening in the world. All and all of that but it must be a little bit tough not to be able to just even just meet up with the cast and go hey we did it I think yeah I think a little bit it's very strange certainly when you compare it to the first series coming out because when the first series was was on you know airing on Sky initially we were up in Manchester already filming the second series all looking exactly like the characters that we had played <laughs> six months <laughs> yeah. previously 
so you, you know you'd get stopped in the street the whole time or you'd kind of hear whispers of brassic brassic you know you're almost kind of following you around the streets when you were going out for food or something during you know when you when you weren't working yeah this time is obviously completely different <laughs> but we had this kind of lovely celebration my wife kind of wanted to mark that we were you know that the show that the show was kind of you know launching so on on the, the thursday night of the, of the first episode of series two coming out she texted the neighbors on either side of the house and said would you meet us out by the bins <laughs> for, for just a glass of champagne just to mark it lovely um and we kind of didn't know the neighbors that well at that point so it was kind of um it was it was kind of an opportunity obviously to say hello uh, but also, I suppose, to kind of, you know, mark that, you know, the second series took, you know, however, five months to, to film, you know, uh, of which I was away from her and, and, and our new baby for, for, you know, much of that. So um, anyway, we eight o'clock, we went out and um, my wife popped the cork and kind of simultaneously, every single door on the street opened. <laughs> it was like it was almost like the Pied Piper. And it was. <laughs> This incredible moment of of almost a street coming together for the first time during lockdown because because this 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 cork had been popped and we served we served about five bottles of champagne we absolutely drained our resources but, uh, but we got to meet all of our neighbours which was just I mean just incredible and now it's it's no longer I mean sometimes I think in you know London is so massive. It's very, very rare, certainly for me anyway, to know any of my neighbours. But mm. now, I mean, we're all kind of stopping each other on the street and it's it kind of feels like it's become a real community, you know, and one of the great that's those positive aspects of, of lockdown. I mean, I want to take you right back, OK, to uh, studying business in Trinity. And, you know, I, I always think that there's you, know, you have certain expectations when you read the CV, right, and the work that you've done and you know, the huge shows that you've been in, especially when you see McClellan and Stewart on the CV, you, you assume certain stuff. I know that you wanted to be an actor from a very young age, but didn't quite know how to get there. What was the thinking behind going to business in Trinity? And was there a kind of under the bushel plan to try and get into theatre that way? Yeah, I, you know, I I said this once in an interview long ago, and I, I kind of swore I'd never say it again because it, it was, you know, I just got to ask so many questions about it. But it was it basically, I want, I knew I wanted to be an actor, and I was in boarding school, and I'd done lots of plays in boarding school, and I hadn't, it, there wasn't really a a tried test path for students of that school to go off and become actors. So. Mm. I remember the careers, the careers advisor service, you know, the woman who was kind of looking after the careers advisory department just immediately said, law in Galway is what you need to do. <laughs> and I just, I just remember going, I, I don't want to do that. I don't, I, you know, I want to be an actor. Did you explain that to you? And I, I kind of, I suppose it was such a, a kind of a well-rounded degree course, you know, and, and, and I suppose with all university degrees, no one is tied to to doing the degree that you end up, you know, you, just because you study law doesn't mean that you will become a lawyer. I mean, there's a, there's a very good chance, but you can always make a decision after university about what you want to do. So I, th I think maybe that's what she was thinking about. Yeah, but it seems I so funny to go law in Galway. Not it was so specific. Specific. 
And I just came out with this this huge brochure for NUIG. <laughs> I was like, I've never been to Galway. I've, you know, I, I don't want to go to Galway. None of my friends are going to Galway. Nothing against Galway, obviously, but just it just I, I never even crossed my mind. Yeah. And then I saw obviously that there was an actress course at the time in Trinity, which wasn't taking applications because it was I think it was just about to shut down. So I decided to apply for drama in Trinity. And I remember them saying it was something it was like a questionnaire I had to fill out about acting and performance and stuff. And and, they, you know, they said, what for you in 2001 was was the most culturally important moment for you? So I was thought, but well, this is very obvious. This there's an incredible camera crane shot in Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. It's VFX, and as it sweeps past the cliff of orcs falling to the ground, <laughs> so I wrote this on the form. You know, I was like, you know, that's they, you know they've asked for the truth. I'm gonna I'm gonna give them the truth. <laughs> and, and needless to say, I didn't even get past that round. I didn't even get get to the interview stage. <laughs> And then, you know, you're talking, it's early March and people are starting to panic a little bit about what they're going to put down on, on their form, you know, as well as to what they're going to study. And having spoken to kind of lots of people who'd done business and politics or business, best it was called business economics and social studies, it felt like an incredibly varied course and perfect for someone who didn't really know what they wanted to do mm-hmm. to kind of give you a springboard in so many different aspects of, you know, you know, possible future jobs, or whatever. Where's your head at then, Damien? Like, I'm always fascinated by, you know, like you've made it in like it, as hard as that is to kind of say that phrase. But you've you've made it as an actor. But I know it sounds weird to say it, but these these are the truth. I'm sorry. To pres- Sometimes I think Irish people have difficulty giving it to each other. But you <laughs> or even giving it to themselves. <laughs> you have. And yet that window of time in your life when you made that choice you didn't go i'll go to another drama school i'll try somewhere Mm -hmm. else i'll knock on a similar door there's still a part of you in there that's saying and you know uh, if i have to i'll i'll work in an office so be it yeah i mean i i just because i i actually then took a gap year and i went to to work in a in a boarding school in australia I didn't know that. Oh, my God. Yeah. So that was kind of that was kind of my 1819 kind of time period. And, you know, I was then came back to Ireland in, you know, in August 2003, having, you know, had the the most independence, the most freedom, Mm. the most exciting kind of adventures in Australia. And now I remember sitting in a in a tutorial. (laughs) in business management in um in trinity and it, she just went around the room saying why you know why are you all here and i and i remember distinctly saying i don't really want to be here <laughs> you said that to the teacher yeah yeah because i was kind of, i mean i was i don't know i mean i was definitely young and, and definitely missing my um my my australian freedom or whatever but then bizarrely the next term there was there was you had to write, write as an essay about uh, coca-cola versus pepsi and the war between those two and that that literally lit my imagination's fuse because and the I story went, end of it right just because yeah completely because of the story and, and the research and the rivalry and, and the competitiveness and and um mm. and the rule breaking you know yeah the um, characters yeah so and suddenly i was kind of then suddenly i kind of was in 
at that point. Okay. But it definitely took took a term for me to kind of reacclimatize to um, to student life. Now, Cine World and their past that they offer <laughs> <laughs> becomes the, the the rock on which your uh, exam hopes would perish. Would uh, uh, is that correct, or is that uh, a rumor that this pass arrives into your life and out the window goes any chance of you? passing these exams or is that an exaggeration i ate essentially pancakes which is flour and milk for for weeks on end so i could afford this city world pass <laughs> and i would <laughs> i would literally get to the to the you know the cinema would kind of release their listings on thursday and i was like God, I've, actually, I've actually seen everything i've seen every single film so that would kind of, and I, in fairness, I never missed a lecture, <laughs> but I, I didn't do any. I didn't, I, I just didn't, I didn't, I, I didn't know how to study. Hmm. It was like I'd forgotten or it felt like the leaving cert studying was, was, was hugely different to, to university studying. And I, I kind of hadn't really learned what was necessary. So I, I kind of, God, I remember doing the exams after the first year in, in Trinity and, and, just knowing how dreadful this was going to be. And I was, you know, I'm, I'm a diligent person. Irish people are usually quite diligent. Mm. I, I couldn't believe that I'd gotten myself into a situation where I, I couldn't put pen to paper in an exam because I didn't know what they were talking about. Oh, my God. So, oh, my God. Yeah. I didn't realize it was that bad. Let, <laughs> let, let me ask you this question. So you have the Cine World Pass, and for those that don't know, uh, it was a glorious kind of uh, Willy Wonka's golden ticket, essentially, <laughs> to uh, as many movies as you like in the month. Literally the freedom of the city of Sydney World. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> do, do, is it just you that has one or do you have a buddy who's coming to these uh, movies with you? No, it's just always me, always me on my own. And the joy of just sitting in cinema, you know, at 11 o'clock in the morning when everyone else is at work and I have the entire cinema to myself and, and just, just, you know. Devouring it. Yeah, completely, you know. And I'm obviously, as soon as I, I, I subsequently then passed my exams in the resits in the summer, but had to cut the card almost in a kind of a ceremony. <laughs> <laughs> in order to pass them. In order to pass them. <laughs> I mean, there's something there, right? There's there's a couple of things there, right? And one is um, there's a part of that Damien Maloney that thought you could go to the cinema and that to that extent and still pass. I mean, it's obviously a humbling moment where <laughs> you're kind of coming to terms with you know, that, that invincibility complex that a lot of Irish lads have sure it'll be grand is yeah. a phrase that you know you live by at that age i'm sure it'll all work out did that failure and how you broke it to your parents did that change you at all and i, I would like to know what the conversation is with your parents your parents are a doctor and a solicitor i doubt that failing your exams in first year was was an easy chat I'm just trying to think. I, I mean, there was definitely a big moment where it was like, okay, well, this is now the summer where all of your friends have gone to Canada for the summer. Mm. This is now you getting in touch with with the local library <laughs> and basically decamping there for for three months. And I think we both. I mean, there was there wasn't an argument there. It's we both. I think as you know, parents and and child knew what needed to be done. Mm. So, when I subsequently, and I haven't really thought about this since, but when I, you know, I'm skipping forward a little bit of time here. I went, you know, when I went to drama school, and 
you know, it was a lot of money to go to drama school in, in the UK. And I obviously didn't have any money because, you know, I, I, I just finished in Trinity. But, I, you know, my, so my parents paid for it. And, and I remember the onus and the responsibility and the drive that that mm. gave me. Yeah. Because I knew that I had really messed up the, yeah. the, the free education. And now suddenly I was, you know, I was asking them to, to you know, to put forward, you know, some money to, to A, to obviously to pay for the course and B, to kind of keep me financially afloat in London because there was just no, op- there was just no option of, of having a job in drama school because the, because the hours are so prohibitive. Yeah. And I mean, but, 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 that's a, but that's really, a, yeah. I, I know for certain that I gave my absolute best every day in drama school because of what had happened before. In, in <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a big bet, right? They've put a lot of chips on this. So failure is not an option. But Mm. in so many ways, the drama school that you chose with all its great alumni, including, you know, Fassbender and Hardy had a reputation as a place where spirits go to be crushed and would be actors get humbled. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? It's it's known as the trauma school as well as the drama school for this very reason. Can you talk to us a little bit about it? And I, I don't know, is it is it still open? Because I don't imagine those kind of practices that I've read about are OK today. It's funny because I, I feel like I got or we certainly our, our year group got um, a, a much more diluted version of the of the historical kind of rumours. Okay. Um, there, there is a documentary somewhere on YouTube about the way it was run in previous years, mm. all the way through from you know students applying and you know to to kind of graduating. And those were, you know, I mean, you hear some horrendous things, and I think some of the people would always try and say, well, you know, it was so bad, it was so bad. But our version was was had lost a lot of the kind of main original staff that mm. the school had had when they first opened. I think they were, we were group number 47. So we're 47 years in to the school. I, I do remember we did, one of the things we had to do was a, was a cartoon class in, in our first term. We had to choose a cartoon character that was, you know, hugely physical and you had to present it to the school. Okay. <laughs> okay. Who did you um, choose and how, uh, how mortifying is this? I will never forget it. Um, <laughs> It was, it, it, it kind of entailed, it was one class a week and you, you brought a character to show your year group once a week, saying, this is a character I found that I think is interesting and I think it could be fun to do and I'm willing to explore this character for the next 12 weeks. Oh my gosh. And so, you know, I brought up, Kung Fu Panda was the first one. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember, okay. I remember wearing some black tights and a, okay. a, a white t-shirt over a black <laughs> long sleeve top and just st- st- stuffing a pillow up my kind of um, oh, no jumper and essentially dancing in front of <laughs> in front of my class and the teacher says I don't think this has any legs <laughs> I said okay fine so I came back the next week uh, I did something else I can't remember and then the third week I brought uh, Thomas O'Malley the alley cat <laughs> <laughs> and I, I mean, these are brave these are brave attempts You're, no. you are swinging for the fences here <laughs> <laughs> and I just remember I can I can still remember performing as, as Thomas uh, with my head down because I couldn't face face <laughs> <laughs> the 
they, they just, I, I just, they, all I could envisage was, was just the shock and the pity. <laughs> you know, so I, I kind of said, I, I almost said, ta-da, at the end, you know, just to say that I'd finished. And the teacher looked at me and he said, you know, in a week's time, I'm going to match you know, the better students with, with the not good students. And how do you think one of the better students is going to feel when they get you for a partner? Oh, Jesus Christ. And I, I mean, that was, as far as I was concerned, you know, that was me being thrown, shown the door, you know. <laughs> I remember a great friend of mine, Jude, brought me out for, for pints that night. And that was probably one of the best things that anyone could have done because um, that was a pretty tough yeah. week. And it, was, and it was mortifying, you know. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, you must so, have been pretty close to walking. Yeah, I mean, well, it just, I was, A, I don't know how I can recover this. <laughs> B, I, I've run out of cartoon characters. <laughs> it, it, it was, anyway, I ended up being a lemur. <laughs> I, don't even, I just remember renting 25 Disney cartoons that weekend. <laughs> and fast forwarding through them, looking for characters. <laughs> Because I knew I'd need to bring something up again on Tuesday. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm puce here, even thinking about it. <laughs> so unbelievable. Oh. oh, my God. I mean, <laughs> this, is, uh, this is the building blocks, right? There's something in this, right? There's mm. the, like in a weird kind of way, it is preparation. Like I, I remember... You know, Chris O'Dowd saying on this very show that, you know, he was forced to crawl around on the floor like a baby for hours on end and <laughs> wondering, you know, where is the connection to, yeah. you know, life after this? But in a weird kind of way, this thing that you were doing here did like ha have some application to life afterwards. Am I wrong in saying that? Well, no, for sure. For sure. I mean, it's well, everything now is water off a duck's back. <laughs> because you know you don't hang about after after you're out of there you know your first job tis pity she's a whore is uh you know it's a that's a big ask as well <laughs> more than kung fu panda it's it's a big big ask and uh, quite a difficult piece to do tell me though were you just relieved is there so much relief in getting that first foot in the actual working door that it wouldn't have mattered what you were doing. You were happened to be doing something awesome. But I'd imagine that there's just a part of you that's like, oh, I'm actually doing it now. This is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think so. And I think even more so than that is is, is the, the, the the kind of agent showcase that, that we did in February of our of our last year, where you, you know, you get essentially a total of six minutes on stage in front mm. of every agent and, you know, and top casting director in the country. Mm. And you have to do a speech and you have to do a scene. And then we had to do a Shakespearean speech as well. And then everyone kind of sitting in the dressing room afterwards and, and kind of then going to the pub afterwards and kind of just waiting for the phone to ring. Yeah. You know? And sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't. And, and when the phone did ring for me, it was just... It was suddenly like, right, OK, here we go. But it was it was definitely relief. Because you know? your, uh, you know, your reputation and look, the, you know, the 
the CV itself speaks to this, that you don't hang about. There is project to project to project to project after that, that kind of makes me wonder uh, about the connection back to this thing of not letting your folks down. Like what drives you to do that amount of work and to consistently just go from one thing to the next? Or is it just the idea, as you just said, that once the phone's ringing, that's great. Do it. I think that's a huge, I think that that is, it's a huge motivator, you know, because, you know, you know, I'm very lucky that I've, you know, worked a lot and I've done a lot of kind of nice jobs kind of in quick succession. But I mean, that glosses over very much the kind of dark periods, you know, and, and, and the times when, okay, do we risk this now? Do we risk maybe not doing this job because a job kind of somewhere down the line is kind of potentially in the hanging Mm. or just I need a job, you know, and I, or, or, you know, I haven't had an audition for a month or, you know, those kinds of terrifying things. I remember, I remember finishing a play. I did a play called the body of an American and I, um, I did it for about three months and I just done it off the back of Ripper street. And then I did some suspects. And so it was, I mean, I'd done a lot of work and I just remember standing in the kitchen, washing the dishes and just, just crying into the sink because I didn't know, if I would ever work again. And, it, it, you know, it seems so ridiculous looking back mm. at it. But when you're in the thick of it and you're kind of going, Jesus, that's when it suddenly just gets very, very scary, you know? Um, yeah, I think there's loads of actors that will relate to that as well. And you hear it time and time again that when you're not on a job, you are fully unemployed. And yeah. that terror is real no matter who you are and you hear you know you hear the hankses of this world say the exact same thing it's like i'm unemployed until that phone rings again does that terror though dissipate at all have you found it dissipate at all as these things have clocked up as you know these like huge huge productions that you've been involved in have come in and you there must be a certain amount of that uh, trickling away or do you just always have that consistent hum of a kind of a panic fan in the background I, well i think I, i'm an anxious person anyway so i would kind of you know <laughs> as my dad would say a catastrophizer but it, I, it's funny going back to what you just said there about tom hanks you know i find it incredibly useful reading about other actors who have <laughs> fears and worries and and you know dry periods and frustrating periods because it, it suddenly makes me feel like i'm not on my own mm-hmm. sometimes yeah. i think you get a sense when you you know you see these people who are just you know they have 25 projects in development on their imdb page and you're like i mean i just don't even know when the next paycheck is coming in mm-hmm. yeah but, so i find it really really encouraging when i see other actors kind of talk about you know you know, the scary times. Yeah, I can't. Yeah. What was the first part of the question? <laughs> Sorry. Well, well, yeah. I mean, does it like it does it go oh, away? It, was, the, was the question? Yeah. yeah. yeah um, because I don't I don't know if it does, to be honest. Because I suppose you're so aware of of, um, you know, all of a sudden the audience could say, oh, not him again. And then you don't work for, <laughs> for, for four years, you know, so it's. I suppose I, I feel like it's a healthy anxiety to have at the back of my head 
saying, you know, don't do not take anything for granted. Yeah. Because this could all, you know, suddenly end. So the drug. suspects with you, you mentioned there, like is one of my favorite things that you've done. And for those that aren't aware of it, you need to seek this out because what they did with it was Damien Maloney, truly a hilarious and brilliant young man. And the rest of this conversation goes to new heights and hilarious moments and stories to include it over in the Patreon cut. Another probably another 40 minutes of conversation with Damien over there. Why not come over and sign up for premium for the price of a coffee? You can support this podcast, its growth and continuation through these difficult times. And as I said, I've got a brand new spin-off series of Irishman Abroad featuring an Irish sporting icon. I can't reveal exactly what it is just yet, but it will be exclusive and in full available to our patrons at patreon.com. That's just one of the many reasons to sign up. I want to say thanks to Damien for taking the time to do this, to uh, Brian Connolly, my producer, as always, to John Marr for his extra research, to Tina and Mikey for making this possible, as always, and to you guys for listening, rating, commenting and subscribing. Why not check out our chosen charity partner this week, Jigsaw.ie. We all know a young person who is struggling through this pandemic, who may need some support, who may need a one on one or just a phone call where they can vent what they're going through at jigsaw.ie they provide this and an awful lot more your donations keep them going through this they've seen a 400 percent jump in demand for their services so they could really do with your help right now more than ever but until next week when we'll have another episode of the irishman in america series with marion McKeown dropping next friday and another episode of course here on the main feed of irishman abroad on sunday as always thank you and i'll see you then